Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I've got an exciting show today. I'm going to be joined by Larry Kim, and we're going to explore the topic of organic social media. You are absolutely going to love this episode. By the way, if you want to reach me, I can be reached on Instagram at Stelzner or email me at podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And now for my interview with Larry Kim. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Larry Kim. If you don't know who Larry is, he's a content marketing pro. He's a top writer on Medium, the founder of WordStream, and the founder of Mobile Monkey and SMS and Messenger Chat Solution. Larry, welcome back to the show. Hey, Michael. Thanks for having me. It's been a while. Great to be back. Yeah, it's super awesome to have you back. Today, Larry and I are going to explore the power of organic content marketing, and we're going to explore some of the cool things that Larry has been doing for a very, very long time. And I think a lot of you will find a lot of really great ideas from the conversation we're going to have. Larry, let me start with this question. Is organic social dead? We live in an age where everybody's focused on paid acquisition, yet you seem to have successfully used organic pretty dramatically. And I'm just curious from your perspective, what are your thoughts when people say organic social doesn't work anymore? Well, it's harder than it was, but it's certainly not dead. I mean, if you just think about mathematically, um, like the Facebook feed or the Twitter feed, it's it's roughly one out of every five posts are an ad, okay? Which means, you know, four out of five 
of those posts are, are organic. So someone's getting those impressions and that engagement. And if it's not you, someone else is getting it. So, you know, I think a lot of people think it's dead because it's, it's harder than it was before. I think it was easier to get a little slice of the action. You know, there were like participation points. Everyone was a winner as long as you kind of did something. Um, right. And the algorithms today, um, they're kind of a little bit more lopsided. They tend to, you know, favor it's kind of more more winner take all it's 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 more like playing like a powerball as opposed to scratch tickets you know so it's just just to give you some numbers my twitter does about 20 to 30 million uh, impressions a month that's with no uh, paid paid advertisement you know my medium account does about you know 2 million views a month you know my linkedin page like linkedin doesn't have as great statistics but like it does around 10,000 profile views and and it's regularly possible for me to get content updates that do several hundred thousand views so you know this is all organic i don't think i would categorize that as being dead um but it's definitely i'm employing you know different different strategies from what i was doing you know even just you know two three four years ago do you think that everyone should be publishing social organic content obviously you don't want everyone to because you want to win, obviously, because it sounds like it's winner take all. But maybe for those who are not, um, who have kind of abandoned a little bit of it, why might they want to revisit it outside of the obvious things that you mentioned about the the reach uh, and some of the exposure you're getting? What are some of the benefits you've received as a result of you know what you've been doing? Oh, the benefits are enormous. It's it's like a river, okay? So like, especially like take something like LinkedIn or or Medium. Um, you know, all sorts of crazy opportunities come out of out of LinkedIn, like fundraising opportunities, like like raising money or I got onto the BBC, you know, for some interview, um, like all sorts of crazy things just appear in the LinkedIn inbox. But in order for that, for those inquiries to find your way to your inbox, uh, you kind of have to put yourself out there. So like, you know, I can't really quantify the ROI because it's more like it's a very random kind of thing. People see something that, that, that a journalist calls, uh, someone invites you to their conference or something like this. It's just the ROI. It's not a direct response marketing. I'm not like driving to, um, you, know, you know, install my product or whatever. It's more of this indirect benefits ranging from, you know, job opportunities to speaking in, you know, opportunities to media inquiries to, you know, business opportunities, partnerships, that kind of stuff kind of stuff yeah it, it, it varies based on the platform that was linkedin um you know twitter it's crazy you know i've got about eight hundred thousand followers and like during this coronavirus i was just like reading like all these updates from different politicians or different cdc government people and like you know not a good amount of them actually follow me back you know like it's incredible like i was like oh wow i don't even know who this person is but you know they're talking about something important and they and, and they follow me it's like a meaning the reach is there if you're able to, you know, understand how these algorithms work and crack them and really take advantage of them. Is it worth your time to do that? You know, if, if you're going to do it, you kind of have to be in it to win it. So I want to see that you have some kind of a well thought out strategy for, you know, it doesn't have to be for all of the different platforms, you know, like you can pick one that's like really good for your niche and just go all in and really, you know, not accept this kind of, you know, crappy results and, and do what it takes to be a winner there, you know, and I understand that's harder to do, uh, you know, today than it was like five years ago. Well, I love the fact that you're saying you need a strategy 
And I feel like so many people just try things and then they don't work. And then they just say the platform doesn't work. And what I love about you is you're very much into testing and you're very much into trying things and doubling down on things if they work. So I would love to hear a little bit about what is your strategy? Because I know there's a strategy. Tell us a little bit about it. Um, You know, it varies so much by the platform. Uh, I would say like, where I'm getting a lot of traction these days is uh, Twitter, uh, believe it or not, Twitter, yeah, um, the medium, LinkedIn, and just the live streaming. Uh, so is there anyone in particular that you'd be most interested in? Well, let me ask you this question. Is there some sort of a overarching strategy that you employ, knowing full well that the algorithms are different on all these different platforms? Is there some sort of a high-level strategy that you employ, for example, on LinkedIn, that's not radically different than what you do on Twitter? You know, they they are very platform specific these days. All right. Well, let's, let's start with LinkedIn then. So tell me what is your strategy on LinkedIn? So in LinkedIn, it's, it's just, that's the easiest platform of all these. If you have a, a very modest following, like this is the one where it's totally possible to get millions of views. And uh, the reason is because of their algorithm. If you don't believe me, just go look through my feed, okay? And you'll see like videos with like hundreds of thousands of views. And if, if you think, oh, only Larry can do that. Well then just to, to disprove it, that, you know, this idea that only I can do it, uh, just go through your own feed and look what shows up and you'll see all sorts of updates from people who aren't your connections. It's like a second or third degree, degree connection, you know, that has like, you know, 100,000 video views. And if you view their profile, it's just like some regular guy with like, I don't know, 500 connections or something like this, you know? So the first thing you need to understand is that this algorithm is very generous. It's surfacing content to LinkedIn people, uh, users uh, at a uh, really generous clip. Like it's not like, you know, Facebook is stingy where it's like, you know, they have to make room for ads every four, every four posts, you know? So then the next question becomes like, how are they giving it away? You know, different platforms have different signals. Uh, for LinkedIn, it's all about the comment and comment discussions. Okay. And the thing is like, like their platform isn't all that sophisticated in terms of like the algorithm. Um, so the easiest way to do this is if you have a uh, company like Michael, you own a company and you have, you know, a few dozen employees, you know, you should just ask your employees to like and comment on a post that you've just shared. Okay. So you, you share something and it's like, guys, can you just please hit the like button? And so just create a Slack channel, you know, and just let's call it like, you know, hit the like button channel. Uh, and, and, and you, you post something to LinkedIn, you, you put the URL of the post in there and, and you know, the, your friends and family are hopefully, you know, supportive of you and they'll, they'll like and, and engage with that, with that content. Right. And that's a pretty simple strategy. And if you, if you do that already, you're going to get, you know, tens of thousands of, of views. I promise you it works. It works even better if you know people who have just, uh, some following and if, if you can kind of enter into some kind of mutually beneficial arrangement where you can, you know, help each other out to kind of engage with each other's content. The thing about this is it's this, this strategy was employed on Facebook, you know, like 15 years ago. Okay. And Facebook, you know, quickly figured out a ways to filter out this kind of thing and it doesn't work anymore on Facebook. Okay. But it's, it's still like remarkably, you know, LinkedIn is like a time machine. Like their algorithm reminds me of Facebook, you know, 15 years ago. And, you know, that's the, the, the key right now for, you know, doing at least 
getting your contents seen initially. So the algorithm will give you the benefit of the doubt and it will start to addition that content that you've just surfaced and it'll accrue more impressions. But the question is, will it make 10,000 impressions or will it do a million impressions, right? So like, so you've already kind of just by getting your kind of friends and family to engage with the content, you've already gotten your first, you know, five, 10,000 impressions. Um, the whether or not you get to the 100,000 impressions, that's more of a meritocracy. Can I ask a quick question on this? So yeah. do we have to use our personal profile or can we use our company page? Um, what's your thoughts on that as far as like the way that works? Is it the same as getting all your employees to like a post on your company page as it is on your personal profile? Or do you strongly recommend it's done over our personal profiles? There's like a dampening factor that, that's applied to company pages. Naturally, LinkedIn wants to force companies to pay money for ads to get the company pages messages right. out. So it's still possible for company content to get a lot of traction. It's just the extent of the magnification of those you know user interactions is diminished. Uh, it would be like uh, ten likes you know on your personal thing would give you ten thousand views. You know the, those same people liking it and commenting on 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 a company post, it's going to generate you know maybe a, a fifth as much. Got it. It's still not a you know, nothing to sneeze at, you know, like it's still pretty good, but it's just a little bit more um, when you look at the posts in your LinkedIn feed that, that have, uh, you know, gazillions of uh, likes and comments, they tend to be from individuals, not businesses. Got it. OK, so you were about to say something about how after a certain point, something happens. I think you were about to say something about a meritocracy or whatever. Yeah. So it, it basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to create some kind of a reaction. You're trying to, you know, the friends and family liking your, your content was just a catalyst to get the initial kind of the, uh, the initial few thousand impressions for free. Okay. The question is, does it die out very quickly or is it one of these more virulent posts where that everyone sees and, and engages with, you know, and, and it, it just kind of explodes. And, and so for that, what you can do is you can addition content elsewhere. Okay. So hmm. you can come up with a little, if you look at my LinkedIn feed, you'll see like these mini infographics about unicorns and stuff like this. These ideas are curated elsewhere. Okay. So like, I'll run them on Twitter and I know that on average, my average tweet does about 25,000 views. Okay. And it, and it gets maybe 30 retweets, but you know, like 10% of them do like something like a hundred to a thousand retweets. Okay. So like basically if something does really well and, and you can even kind of reverse engineer this yourself, if you look at my feed, you know, the ones that do really good on Twitter, on, on my Larry Kim Twitter, like I'll actually repost to LinkedIn. And so the reason is because if something was really funny or really, you know, thought provoking or really um, just uh, engaging um, that people wanted to comment on it and people wanted to reshare it on Twitter, um, chances are, uh, it's not guaranteed, but like there's a very, very high chance uh, that, you know, people would also like to, to engage with that on LinkedIn. And so you get the first five, 10,000 views from the friends and family, but from there it's, it's a meritocracy. Like those ten, five and 10,000 people really need to like and share for it to kind of generate the escape velocity needed to, to, to generate, you know, hundreds or millions of views. And to do that, I addition this content elsewhere to, to, to see if it works. So, you know, when you say like, oh, organic is dead and it's like, really, it's more about understanding, like hopefully you can see by this example, it's more about just understanding how this algorithm works and really kind of make it so that you're, this isn't illegal. You're just 
kind of noticing how the thing works and you're trying to send as much signal as possible to that newsfeed algorithm to, to uh, generate kind of an outcome that's um, beneficial to either your personal brand or to your business. Awesome. There's other crazy strategies that you can do, like because these comments are so... They're so leveraged. Um, you can push traffic. Like say you do a LinkedIn blog post, like a LinkedIn Pulse blog post. You can push traffic to that page using like Facebook ads. So you can promote the, the article on, on Facebook. But what, one way to get lots of discussion is to promote it to people who have the opposing view. Okay. So like if, if your article is about the keto diet, you know, target a bunch of people who like the paleo diet on Facebook. Okay. And then show that ad, you know, to the people on Facebook, to your LinkedIn page, and they're going to be mad. They're gonna like, this, this diet sucks. You have to do paleo instead. You're not the keto diet or whatever. Like the, the thing is like, if, if you're promoting the content to just the sort of the people who, who, who are already in love with this idea, there's nowhere to go in the discussion, right? Because the LinkedIn, it requires kind of comments, but also comment replies and it leverages, uh, it, it waits like kind of longer form comment replies as, as being more valuable. So, you know, it, it's little clever things like, oh, wait a minute. Like if I promote it to the people who who, who hate this thing, they're more likely to, to comment on it. You, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. You just have to kind of break it down and run some experiments. I'm not going to give you all my secrets, but like, you know, this is. Come on. We want all of your secrets now. <laughs> okay. Well, let me ask you a couple of questions. First of all, we're going to get back to this audition thing in just a minute, but uh, back to LinkedIn. Sometimes I notice certain kinds of things that are quote unquote trending according to LinkedIn. Is there any kind of, when we see certain things trending, we write things about what's trending and do you ever ride that trending wave? What's your thoughts on that? You know, I used to be able to do that better because I had more time. It's really challenging to have the velocity to notice, you know, something that's trending and to to jump on it that quickly. But if you, if you have that capability, yeah, sure, sure. Certainly, there's nothing more powerful in 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 social media than a kind of a far-reaching like topic that's that has legs beyond your niche i remember um you had that unicorn uh, about two years ago in 2017 when google fundamentally made changes to their newsfeed algorithm and you were one of the first to publish about it and that video of you talking about the changes i think it, it got nearly a million views you know if not more and so like if you're clever and nimble enough to to recognize those trends, um, then then that's like a very powerful force to ride. Um, it's you know it's it is winner take all. You know, typically, the few people who who get it first do tend to um, you know generate the lion's share of that engagement because of how these things snowball and it it, it rewards the thing that that has the most engagement. But it's it's like yeah, definitely it's a, a part of the. Uh, of the strategy um it's harder to make that a systematic like it's harder to make that um kind of a formulaic approach but those are like um black swans or whatever like you never know when those things are going to fly by where right you know new, news is always coming out but like news on that magnitude you know who knows when it comes out you know i, I like my ideas better in that they're they're a little more formulaic like you can audition content and you can kind of come up with like what are the top 10 posts uh, you know of the last year and then you can you know migrate those from twitter to, to linkedin and it's a repeatable recipe that doesn't require some external thing happening i like that a lot because it can have wings and if it has wings over here it might have wings over there is really the hypothesis right 
Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you about uh, this audition concept on Twitter. A couple of questions that underlie this is it sounds as if you're doing something different on Twitter in order to have stuff to be auditioned potentially on the other platforms. So if that's the case, you know, talk to us a little bit about where your ideas come for the auditions and is Twitter the place where you audition everything? Like talk to us a little bit about that. LinkedIn's algorithm as well as Facebook, by the way, like they have some kind of a dampening factor in the uh, algorithms, newsfeed algorithms, that if you post too frequently, your next post will take away from the previous post. And just to prove my point, uh, there's people who post on LinkedIn like, you know, once every minute. Okay. And those things go nowhere. That's crazy. It's like they've turned on buffer, you know, to, to bring in a bunch of feeds and there's, you know, how you can configure buffer to post automatically to different places. Like, right. um, so the, the, those accounts go nowhere. And the reason is because when you post your next post on LinkedIn, it, it takes away exposure from the previous thing that you posted. Okay. So I'm kind of describing like, it's, it's like, you don't want to overpost. There's no punishment for posting a lot on Twitter. It doesn't like, uh, as far as I can tell, like, you know, me twi- tweeting twice in a row doesn't make the first tweet any less likely to be, be seen, but that is definitely the case in LinkedIn and Facebook and other algorithms. I see. So to, to your point about auditioning twitter is a, is a really great place to audition because you can audition a lot of place a, a lot of content and you don't have to worry about like oh i'm going to spread them out every three days or something like this you you can just try it out and um you know you don't have to keep them on your wall like if you posted it you know two three hours ago and you're, you're, you're typically seeing like a certain amount of engagement um within the first hour or two you know and if you're not seeing that then then by all means delete it are you referring to twitter or something else Twitter, Twitter, yeah. like if, if something is, isn't doing well, you know, fine, delete it and try something else. Uh, your, your question about like, how do you ideate this stuff? You know, it's pretty simple. I have a filter, like there's like four or five topics that I care about, social media, entrepreneurship, start startups, you know, uh, like technology stuff. There's, there's just a few interests that are sort of on brand, uh, you know, unicorns, like, you know, like any, anything about unicorns, but like, the, like those are some high level topic filters and I'll, I'll just use a, a combination of, of third party tools as well as some internal stuff that I've de- developed on my own to kind of, to just screen the news, like what's trending, what's, what's generating engagement. And, and using that, I can just spend a few minutes uh, every day or two kind of picking some ideas from stuff that might work and uh, loading that into buffer and additioning those. So just so I'm clear, you're posting mostly links to interesting content that you're discovering from other content creators. And then if you find something that works, you post that over on LinkedIn, or you might create some of your own content kind of spawned by that idea. If it's just like a, a topic uh, that's fairly general and it's not attributed to anyone, like maybe there's a, a study saying like, these are the, um, you know, most important skills to have in 2020, according to LinkedIn. Okay. Mm. And then, and that's doing so well. Okay. I might just kind of riff off of that idea and come up with a, an infographic, I'll call it, you know, the top 10 characteristics of a unicorn marketer in 2020. Okay. So it's, it's not exactly the same. And I might curate some of the kind of the skills and criteria from that report, but then put in my own that, uh, that I care about. Right. 
it's kind of similar, but sufficiently different because like one is based on a study and the other one is just based on my personal opinion. So I'm just picking the, you know, three out of 20 that I agree with them, you know, from that survey. And then I'm adding seven that I feel is, is, is really important. And for the same reasons why people were so excited about this other thing, like, you know, there's a good chance that, that it might, that my thing might also do, do well. And I might, and I might use like a, like a, a graphic designer, you know, like there's these design services in, in, in the Philippines where you can, um, and, and on Upwork where you, where you can get people to, to do graphic works for, you know, 15 bucks for an hour or something like this and, and, um, just turn it into some kind of a simple, you know, 600 by 600 image and just share that to your Twitter or to your, your, your or to your LinkedIn. And again, if you go scroll through my LinkedIn, you know, you're going to see these mini infographics, um, you know, and, and they've all been addition on Twitter and that's why they appear on LinkedIn. You see what I'm saying? Totally. I am curious, are there any tools that you're using that allow you to quickly analyze all the things you're sharing on Twitter and kind of lift up those that are performing better? Uh, so for that, I've, develop some internal stuff. Got it. They're not com- commercially available. Helps that you're a developer. So are you aware of any tools external or does Twitter even provide decent analytics themselves if you go inside of Twitter and will they help you find that stuff? The closest thing I've heard seen is, is BuzzSumo and it just kind of gives you like, you know, there's like this trending thing and it shows you the share counts. And that's mostly on blog posts. That's not necessarily on the stuff you're actually tweeting, right? Well, they're correlated because a lot of the tweets, they're giving you an idea of like what's, what's driving a lot of engagement recently. And that's going to, a lot of that engagement is going to be from social media. So, um, there's some kind of a correlation there. Like I said, it's, I'm not, I'm not aware of, of a tool that does that, but like another way of doing it is just kind of looking through your feed. Okay. So the Twitter feed surfaces stuff that's doing well. I mean, it's not as aggressive as LinkedIn, but it does do some curating on their, on the timeline. And, you know, if you, or maybe you could find like an EA, like not an EA, like a VA, virtual assistant to, um, you know, you could train them to, you know, look for certain types of content that you think would be really interesting for, for your business. And maybe they could, send you like a, a curated list of like what they found over the overnight, you know, 10 ideas and you can pick the top three or something like that. Let's talk about Facebook groups. Have you had any success? What are you doing? What's your thoughts on Facebook groups? I think it's really the only, unless you're like a publisher where you're publishing a large volume of content, the, the groups is really the only game to play on, on Facebook. Uh, so, so the mobile monkey group, that's the one that I'm using, I'm using right now. It has like, yeah, you know, something like thirty-five thousand group members, and you know we're getting engagement rates of like you know thirty percent. Okay, like so, like wow. if, if like any any post that we put in there, like twenty thirty percent of the people in that group will see it. Okay, so you know it's the same thing. It's all about the engagement and the responses and stuff like this. And, uh, you, you know how it is. Like you, you see the content from the groups that you've engaged with and you don't see the content from the groups you haven't engaged with. So there's sort of like this kind of group engagement hygiene that you need to engage with. And you'll laugh when I give you some of these ideas, but like every Monday do an icebreaker. Okay. Like, I don't know, like, where are you from? Like, where are you guys from? So you just post that on your group and you'll get like 400 responses. Like I'm from, you know, Nigeria and I'm from, you know, just people like to talk about themselves. Okay. But that little thing that you just did there, that'll like juice the engagement for this group for the next week. You see what I'm saying? Like, you gotta be a little clever about, you know, how you 
it's not just like, well, let's have a group and let's post things to the group and hope people will engage with it and everyone will see it. No, no, no. You have to understand how those algorithms work and you have to do the, the kinds of things that will result in it being surfaced in algorithm. In the algorithms. And then there's tricks to like, you know, how the heck did we get 35,000 subscribers in just 12 months? You know, like there's tricks to do that, like how to get to drive up your fans, like the, the group membership numbers. And, uh, you know, you can just Google that. Real quick on the groups. Are you finding that the algorithm in groups is far more weighted towards engagement in comments? So therefore, maybe we should always post like just text update posts versus links. Um, have you found that to be true or what's your thought? Yes, absolutely. If you're going to post the link, post it in the comments. It's somewhere between four and 10 times diminished, like the engagement of a link post mm. versus just like a summary thing. So, I mean, if you're hoping for using Facebook groups as a kind of a page replacement, yeah, that's not going to work, right? like a page traffic driver, that's not the way, I mean, it would be a very algorithmically challenging way. The, the reason is because they used to post, you know, every time you did a blog post, you would post a link to that blog post on this Facebook page. Well, yeah, that strategy is dead. Uh, so I, I'm agreeing with you there. But like, could you take the, the essence of, you know, usually there might be, you know, three main main points of a blog post and can you mini graphic and could you post that to your group and then just in the first comment um you know include a link then have your cabal like engage with that post a little bit to give it some love so that it kind of gets additioned amongst that group you know like yeah like that's a little bit more work but it's it's like like the whole point of this is to drive engagement right so like if you're not doing that extra work that i just described then like why are you bothering doing it in the first place so like you kind of have to do a little extra work but if you do that extra work it actually becomes a valuable exercise as opposed to a waste of time what about live video what's your thoughts on live are you doing anything with live you know, we get a lot of leverage out of video. It's not, I wouldn't call it live video. It, it's recorded video. Uh, and we syndicate that video on all the channels. So like you can live stream to Twitter, you can live stream to groups, you can live stream to Facebook pages, you can live stream to YouTube. You know, like what we do is we just, you know, I'll, do, I'll record a webinar and then to get more leverage out of that webinar, we'll, you know, simulated live stream it to, to every one of these social channels. And we have so many social channels because there's like Larry Kim social channels. And then there's like my company, Mobile Monkey has, uh, you know, a, a Facebook page and a Facebook group and, you know, a Twitter page. So, so like we live stream this one video to like, you know, 12 different social channels. And, um, you know, that's, the, you know, it's still algorithmically kind of uh, favorable to do this uh, not as much as it used to be but it's still better than posting you know just static content what are you using to do that um like o obs or something like that and are you broadcasting live everywhere at the same time so uh think of it as like a television station that runs in, in syndication okay there you go I have a library of content, okay, for video content that's relevant. Like, you know, certainly you you wouldn't rebroadcast like, you know, news stories from <laughs> two years ago or something like this. But like, there's gonna be a lot library that you have content that you have that's kind of evergreen. Uh, and then we just have a rotation schedule where we, we do like, you know, two, two live streams per channel. And we just kind of rotate through the library, you know, and um, nobody notices because like nobody catches like, 
every single live stream that we do. And there's enough content that you're not going to see the same piece for like another six months. You, you, you see what I'm saying? Um, so the chances of them, you know, seeing it twice is, is extremely low. Um, but you just come up with a, a library and, and then stream them to, to, to different channels uh, in different orders so that like it, it truly, it's, it's randomized. Um, it's a little bit of you know, just organization, but um, again, this is stuff that you can outsource to a VA, like a virtual assistant. And it's just, once they understand how to live stream it, it's, it's just mechanical work. That's not very expensive to do. In terms of the software, there's desktop software that you can do, and there's hosted software. We use a desktop software to, to, to do the, uh, it's, it's the one that you said, OB something. OBS, yeah. yeah That's yeah. open source uh, free, I think. I want to spend a couple minutes talking about Medium because we don't hear much about Medium from a lot of our guests. So tell us about what that's done for you. Oh my God. So Medium is like... I was in an Uber the other day and somebody asked me if I was Larry Kim. Okay. And you know, like, I'm not like a big deal or anything. Like I'm just sort of like a, you know, medium time, you know, internet entrepreneur. Okay. And some, like I'm not Gary Vaynerchuk or whatever. So, you know, that, that's crazy. And, and the reason is he says like, Oh, I, I follow your stuff on medium. Hmm. I get, you know, somewhere between one to 3 million views on my content, uh, on, on medium every month. And, you know, uh, I think it's it's incredibly valuable from a personal branding thing. Uh, I've been doing it for, oh, geez, like six years now. I actually have, I am the, the n- number ninth most popular blogger on that platform. So there's like a, wow. a website called, there's a, pl- a platform called topauthors.xyz that kind of lists the most popular authors on, on the Medium platform. And the people who are ahead of me are like Ev Williams and uh, Gary Vaynerchuk. Like it's, it's just, and then there's me at number nine. So like, what are you, what are you writing about? And um, tell us a little bit about how it's helped you. So the whole Medium audience, it's all tech people. Like it's the same people who, who read like, you know, Wired Magazine or TechCrunch or. Um, right. You know, it's, it's so, so like the types of the you, I can't be blogging about like Facebook Messenger, you know, very niche topics there. It's it's more, um, you know, entrepreneurship, startups, you know, like that's kind of the hot, you know, California stuff, um, you know, tech stuff, how to start a business. Like what kind of businesses did you start? You know, like that, that kind of higher level stuff, um, which is actually really useful for my company too because what we know about the mobile monkey customers is they tend to also be like entrepreneurs and you know startup people and that same kind of demographic so basically medium for me it's like this way of casting a much larger net on much broader topics than i would normally write about like we're talking about today you and me we're talking about like we're in the weeds of newsfeed algorithms. Okay. Uh, so, so that, that would not be an appropriate topic for, for medium. Um, but you can't sometimes in order to grow your business, you have to cast a, a larger net, you know, mm-hmm. just try to talk about things other than just the niche things that you're really good at. And just like how that Uber driver was saying, Oh, you know, I read that article about how to start a business and I want to start a business. Sometime he's telling me all about his hopes and dreams. And, and I'm like, that's awesome. Like, and, and I, and I believe he's going to do it. Like he's entrepreneur, like he's, he's doing this kind of gig economy thing, you know, and, and he wants to do other great things later in life. And so the hope is that he'll, 
remember me. I mean, obviously he remembered me because he, he recognized me. Uh, and, and then when it comes to requiring, you know, marketing software or messaging software that he'll remember me and, and, and mobile monkey. So it's, it's like, you know, it's not a, you know, a 50% conversion rate or that it's a, it's a lower conversion rate, but you're casting such a broad net there that it's, it's still a meaningful additive, you know, net positive to your brand or to your business. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, do you have to cross promote on the other socials back to medium or does medium have its own kind of built-in algorithm where it shows your content to medium users? So I can give you just three or four tips on how to get exposure on medium. The first thing is to recognize that medium does not have a duplicate content penalty. So unlike LinkedIn, where if you're posting a lot, it kind of throttles you, you know, like medium people post so infrequently there that there is no duplicate content there. Meaning you should be syndicating your content. Like if you if you just have three articles, okay, that are evergreen, you should post them every week or or every month. You know, like repost them. Like have that VA repost the the, the article because there's there's no downside. Uh, you know, there's no du- duplicate pe- penalty cost. You wouldn't know that I syndicate content, uh, like put stuff on reruns, because my content library is so large. Okay, but uh, like it's thousands of articles, but. If you look closely enough, you'll see that, you know, oh, this one was run like a year ago or something like this. So, so like, mm. meaning repurpose, reuse the content. And, and it's, it might be enough to just, ch- like, to publish the same article. Or if you want it to be, you know, kind of a little less lazy, you could change the title to make it more relevant to today. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's number one. Uh, number two, you need a publication. Okay. There's, a, like, people can follow individuals and they can also follow uh, publications. And so I have a publication called Marketing and Entrepreneurship. It's it's the, the largest publication on Medium. Uh, it has about 40,000 know, subscribers. So like when I post, um, you know, there's a good chance that not only the 200,000 people who follow me on Medium will, will see my, my content, but also the 40,000 people who subscribe to the publication hmm. because the, con- the content is subscribed to that publication. Another tip is just um, drive traffic to, to those articles. The, the whole Medium article, kind of whether it's if, if your article gets surfaced in those emails that get, you know, daily digests that get sent out or, or in the app or on the website, those are based on uh, hearts. Like if you're getting hearts uh, or sorry, claps now, they're called class so they just um they keep changing it but you know so that that means like you kind of have to throw a lot of traffic you know if you have an email list or something like this uh there's this one guy I, the name escapes me what he just has a, a big email list like he so use he uses medium to collect emails and every time he posts something new to medium he, he sends an email to that medium publication uh, to that that post so that it generates claps so that it generates all this engagement so it's this is like a, a nice little uh, flywheel there so, so those, those are some ideas um you know it's a great audience it's got like when people announce presidential campaigns or with or when they drop out of like a lot of stuff happens on medium you know so um you know whenever someone's someone's accusing someone of of sexual harassment or something like they'll post something on medium or jeff bezos will you know you know what i mean like it's it's sort of like this universal it's yeah it's basically twitter long form right and stuff actually breaks there and and i think it's it's an interesting medium or an interesting uh channel uh you know for that is uh chronically underused by by marketers Um, again the, the the goal is not to do everything but to do a few things well okay and so like uh those are the channels that i'm focusing on and 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 we're kicking ass well larry that was solid gold um if people want to check you out or check out your company, where do you want to send them? 
Sure. I do all my new blogging at mobilemonkey.com slash blog. We talk a lot about like messaging technologies like SMS, web chat, chatbots, Facebook Messenger stuff. And uh, you can also shoot me an email. It's Larry Kim at mobilemonkey.com. Larry Kim, thank you so much for sharing all your tips and insights with us. I know that I speak on behalf of all my listeners. You were amazing. Thank you again. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. Have a great day. By the way, if you missed anything from the interview that we did today, we take all the notes for you. Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 403. And if you're new to this show, hit the subscribe button. And if you've been a longtime listener, would you do me a favor? Would you let your friends know about the Social Media Marketing Podcast? This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.